This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more, this is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. I'm joined by my co-host and fellow knight, Taylor Sokol. Today we're reviewing the musical fantasy Disney film Disenchanted. This was written by Bridget Hales and directed by Adam Shankman. This is the long-awaited sequel to the 2007 film Enchanted. Kind of crazy it took this long to come out. I think it has been talked about for quite some time. But finally, here it is, uh, straight to Disney+, Plus. the sequel with Amy Adams back to star as the fabulous Giselle. So... Taylor, what is a brief synopsis of Disenchanted? So we're we're coming of after the you know time of the first one. This is years after Giselle found her happy ever after uh, with uh, Robert uh, as she was transported from the magical land of Andalasia into our world of New York, and uh, so she falls in love and gets married with Robert, and they raise Morgan, uh, his daughter, together. They end up having. A daughter of their own and they decide you know we need to move to a bigger space and where hopefully we can you know be happy and a new start and they go to this new community and Giselle still is trying to find her new happy life after she finds out that you know what life is you know is not all it's cracked up to be and it's not as easy um, as she thought and of course now Morgan is a teenager so she's dealing with the woes of raising a teenage daughter and uh she uh, has this opportunity to change uh, her life back to the fairy tale she wants. And of course, when wishing happens, it doesn't always go the way you'd like it. So it kind of throws her world and the world of Analasia into chaos. So yeah, um, I really enjoyed the first movie. I remember such fond memories of that came out. I remember seeing it in theaters. I just love because it's such a great ode and a parody at the same time of the Disney musicals and animated, you know, classics we've come to love. Um, 
you know, what was your anticipation for this movie? I remember, I, I don't, I didn't even think it was going to get made because it was, it was kept getting pushed back. And like you said, it, it took years for this to come out of the ground. Yeah. That first movie is very beloved. And like you said, it is this great ode to the princess movies of all Disney, but it has a bit of a parody as well. You know, especially the, the ridiculous nature of how a cartoon character that where the world is kind of perfect. How does that relate to New York city where it's chaotic uh, and obviously a lot of uh, nods to several Disney movies. You know, it doesn't really follow one pattern. We had a little bit of the Maleficent slash Evil Queen vibe going for the first movie, and they do continue that in this. I think I was excited to see what they could go with, with the movie. I always thought that the sequel would be that they would spend most of it in the cartoon world. They would go back to Andalasia and maybe something happening there. So, I, I, I mean, I'm not surprised that it finally got made. Um, and the thing is, Amy Adams, even though this is now 15 years later, she still doesn't look like that old and she still just fits the character so well. And actually, I think she gets to do some fun stuff in this film. And I think it was kind of an exciting take of, well, what happens if our goody princess, you know, everything is good character. What if she goes a little bad? Yes. And, you know, I think that's a fun thing because we, we've seen this and and the idea of the stepmother uh, a lot of this is a lot more about her and Morgan's relationship. Really, Patrick Dempsey is kind of put off to the side, and he gets to be kind of a goofball idiot for most of the movie, which was fun to see. But it's a lot about the, the stepdaughter, stepmother relationship. So I, I did appreciate elements of this film. I thought that they they kind of went with the, a good plot. The problem for me is it wasn't as big and bold as I thought it could have gone. You know, there was moments in this film where like it was almost going to be some exciting scene, but then it didn't really turn out to be exciting. Part of that is our, if you want to call them our villains, the thing that was kind of weird is like, in a way, Amy Adams becomes the villain, but then we have another like villain off, and that's Maya Rudolph playing Malvina, who she's kind of like the hot shot in town, and she has her two kind of idiot minions that reminded me a lot of like, oh, they're supposed to be kind of familiar of like the stepsisters potentially, you know. And the thing is, I thought they wanted to go a little more evil with her, but there's a lot throughout the movie where it's not like she's really doing anything. And I wanted more, especially from the, the last big act. The first movie really set it up having this huge ball and then having, you know, this huge dragon. Susan Sarandon turning into this huge dragon. That was like epic. Yeah, and Susan Sarandon is a class was act. perfect. She, yeah, she played a great villainess, and I think for a lot of the time she's played more like the femme fatale. But I think she has a lot of good, juicy, evil roles. So I thought she was perfect for that. I agree. Yeah, and I think you know, my Rudolph can sing, and she's funny. I just, I just didn't like how they wrote her character, um, and I just wanted more from the the final act, especially if if. If she's this kind of sorceress character, like like a Maleficent in a way, and Giselle has these powers with this magic wand, maybe have more of like a cool witch battle or something. Like it, it's needed more. The other element to me that was kind of like a bit of like a eh was I thought James Marsden was so great in that first film because he really is the heroic like buffoon, you know, him with the sword battling the bus. And, you know, him singing, I've been dreaming, and all the bikes run him oh, over. Oh, and when he used to be like, Giselle, and he bites his fist. This is one of the best, like, memes. <laughs> He's in this movie for, like, two minutes. Like, he really gets one 
music number with Adina Menzel close to the beginning, which was really forgettable. And then he's in cartoon mode for a little bit. And then he comes at the very tail end of the movie. And I was like, what was missing for me, at least with Patrick Dempsey's arc, was if he's now in this fantasy world and he's kind of like a knight, we should have had the two knights going off on these adventures. There's a whole scene where Patrick Dempsey's trying to save the town from this giant walking through. And we don't even see the giant. We see like a foot. It would have been great. It would have been great to see like them have like a bromance. Like, because again, they were kind of, they were kind of, in the first film, you know, fighting off for the, you know, fighting for the affection of Giselle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're right. And you talk about this, you know, there is not enough time in Andalusia in this movie. And I, and I was hoping, okay, so we had all the time in the real world. Let's go more to the animated world. And there was like very little. So what I think you're right, what you're saying. And, and I agree that the characters and what, what we really enjoy from the first one, we didn't get enough of that. We got less of that. And what I thought was very interesting, and you know, we both noticed this, there is a lot more musical moments than the first so one. So many musical And I moments. was really kind of thrown off by that because I was like, wow, this is re- they're really going heavy on the musical. But I think they went heavy on the stuff that we didn't necessarily need. What I loved about the first one is you had a couple good songs and that was it. But you had a really good like, so there was enough for the musical lovers, but there was also people who loved the rom-com kind of element. Whereas I think they kind of overdid with some of the songs where like, you're right, there was some very forgettable songs. Like, I'm not going to want to, that's not something I could listen to in the car and enjoy where a lot of Disney music, you can hear it without even watching the movie and enjoy. Yeah. And the thing is you have the brilliance of Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz who have done, Alan Menken alone has done so much for Disney and all these great musicals. And Stephen Schwartz made some of the biggest musicals of all time. Hello, Wicked. This guy, the two of them are icons. And Enchanted had a lot of great songs that have been very memorable. There's a few little inklings of some of those songs in this movie. But yeah, I can't really tell you one song that I absolutely loved, minus just because it was the fanfare and excitement. And of course, she gets it because she's the best singer of the cast. Adina Menzel gets this one huge song, kind of the 11 o'clock number, literally, of the movie, um, this big belty song. And that was maybe the most memorable of the new songs. But overall... Yeah, I wasn't too thrilled with the music. And some of the songs just felt like we need something here because we couldn't think of anything else better to do. And that's where I think this film kind of failed for me is that it is beautiful to look at. Like, again, sometimes even though I'm like, this is straight to Disney Plus, in that kind of like, this is a fantasy come to life, everything is so poppy and colorful. And like, I love watching Amy Adams just be sweet Giselle but then also have this darker side where she's kind of turning into the stepmother there was some fun elements to her character everything is very poppy I mean there's you know we have our our squirrel character back who gets turned into something else in this movie and that was quite funny and another character I actually really loved was um of course because he's Disney royalty by now Alan Tudyk voices this scroll that comes to life and he has a very funny voice and there's elements that are fun to watch I just I kind of got done with the movie and I was like I don't necessarily think I'll ever watch that again. Whereas Enchanted, I I would watch again. You for know, a movie full of magic. There was a lot of magic lost from this film, for sure. And I don't know if this is just another thing of Disney stepping into this this kind of territory where like we don't want like really bad villains or like we don't want too much scary. And I'm like, that's the point of all these fairy tales is that life has dark stuff happen to it. Not everything is a happy ever after. And I wanted more of that. And it just kind of like was like, okay, 
I want it a little bit bigger in the finale moment, maybe a little less music. I I do think, yeah, we should have had, it was weird that they chose to have like, let's go to like the, almost like the suburbs, like this new city. Which is funny because this place, place called Monroeville and there's a Monroeville in Pennsylvania. I'm like, that looks nothing like it. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, but you know what? I, I would say if you're a fan of the first film, it's worth a look. I just don't think it's going to hold up. Uh, and I think for the 15 year gap that we had, we could have expected a lot more. I think if this had come out sooner, maybe more of the the, the drive for it would have you know been there. But for a Disney Plus straight to movie for some fun moments and some good acting, colorful to watch. I'm gonna give Disenchanted like eh, like six point five or so out of ten. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go straight to a six because I was uh, I felt like a really lacking of what made the first one so wonderful. But again, if you're a fan of the original one, go back if you want to get a chance to join Giselle and the crew uh, one more time back to the magical world of New York and in Asia. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, you can find out and tell us yourselves what you think of Disenchanted, which is now streaming exclusively on Disney+. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.